0: Good morning. 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 So pleased to say Elvis is in the building, so it's good. (laughs) Always good to see you, Jerry and Iris. Well, we're going to welcome you this morning to our Sunday worship service. Why don't we open up in prayer? Heavenly Father, you thank you for bringing us together. We thank you for the forgiveness of our sins, for the gift of your son. And that you you asked for us, you gave us an instruction manual on how you would have us be, how you would have us grow and learn and behave. So Lord, we'll hear more of those instructions today. And may we take them into our heart and make them part of our life. This we ask in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Amen.
1: Let us worship our Lord. Good morning. Good morning. Answered prayer. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. Frequently people will ask, God or say to me, uh, God answered my prayer. Usually that means that God granted them whatever they requested, either for themselves or for others. God always answers prayer for His children. But his answer isn't always yes. Sometimes it's no. Sometimes it's wait. They are answers just as much as yes. Think of Paul pleading to God to remove his thorn in the flesh. But God's answer was no. God had something better. A path leading him to a deeper dependence on God and his grace. Or think of Jesus as he faced the agony of the cross. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But God's answer was no. Because there was no other way for our salvation to be won. God knows far better than we do what is best for us. Thank God even when he says no or wait. His answer is always perfect. And the hope for today, I long to have a faith that rejoices as much in the no as in the yes, knowing that my God has heard my cry and loves me enough to do what is best and not what feels good to me in the moment.
2: God for the we okay.
1: Feel the spirit of the Lord this morning as we sing this next one.
3: morning is Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his law is in the light, is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish.
0: Testament reading today comes from the letters to the Hebrews. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and then chapter 2, verses 5 through 12. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. The son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very clear character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This shows that the Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. And furthermore, It is not angels who will control the future world we are talking about for one place the scripture says what are mere mortals that you should think about them or a son of man that you should care for him yet you made only a little you you made them only a little lower than the angels and you crowned them with glory and honor you gave them authority over all things now, when it says, all things, it means nothing is left out. But we have not yet seen all things put under their authority. What, do we, what we do see is Jesus, who was given a position a little lower than the angels, and because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. God for whom and through whom everything was made chose to bring many children into glory and was only right that he should make Jesus through his suffering a perfect leader fit to bring them into their salvation. So now Jesus and the ones who makes he makes holy have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters for he said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. And it, you join us in the responsive reading. Blessed are you, loving Father, for all your gifts to us. Blessed are you for giving us family and friends to be with us in times of joy and sorrow. To help us in days of need and to rejoice with us in moments of celebration. Father, we praise you for your Son Jesus, who knew the happiness of family and friends, and in the love of your Holy Spirit. Blessed are you forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, all belongs to you and all came from you. And Lord, but for some reason you've chosen to share that with us to bless us to, to give us things to hold but Lord we know that you also call for us to give back to return to you that which belongs to you so Lord we ask that you bless the gifts that we give today and that you give us the wisdom to use them in a way that we would that would be pleasing in your eyes this we ask in Jesus name amen okay would you like to rise for the doxology uh-huh.
4: Good morning. morning. We're going to be looking at a parable this morning. If you'd like to turn to Matthew chapter 20, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 16. I've always enjoyed the parables. Uh, I grew up in a family that were storytellers. I had an Aunt Irene and uh, Grandpa Larson. And whenever they came to the house, I never went out to play with the cousins and the kids, because I wanted to stay in the house and listen to their stories. They were great storytellers. Well, we have a story today. It's a parable. It's a great one, too. And um, they're all great. But we're looking at Matthew chapter 20, if you have your text with you. And I should have printed it out, I guess, because I realize I do not... Everybody brings their Bibles every Sunday, but we're looking at Matthew chapter 20. It says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning and hired laborers for his vineyard. When he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius for the day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to those, he said, you too go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. And so they went. Father, thank you for the great stories that we have in scripture. Stories that tell us an important truth about you and our relationship to you, Father. You are such a wonderful God. You are amazing. You are above all. Thank you for your Holy Spirit and for giving us your word so we can learn and grow. So, Father, I commit myself and commit us all to you this morning as we prepare for the communion table to remember what your son has done for us. We pray these things in Christ's name and always for his glory. Amen. I I am... Um, I think I've shared with you that I grew up in a family of storytellers. And uh, uh, I had uh, Aunt Irene Grandpa Larson. And um, like I just said to you, I think, earlier that whenever they came over, I didn't go out and play with the cousins because I wanted to stay in and hear the stories that my grandpa, and my aunt, Irene, were going to tell. They were excellent, and they were funny, and they were good stories. We're looking at a story today called parables. And um, for some reason, when I read this parable through the week, I was thinking that um, we always think that we're the person that showed up early. and um, But a few of us hear this parable and think, I'm the guy that showed up last. But I, I remember I, I, I worked for Rockford Blacktop one summer. Great company to work for. They paid the best. They were paying, back in those days, I think about eight, nine dollars an hour when minimum pay was 75 cents. And so um, I made, uh, I worked hard. We worked very, very hard. Uh, my whole job for the summer was to pick the tar out of the cracks between the cement, the concrete sections in the highway so they could resurface the road. And um, my wife remembers when I came home absolutely burnt. Of course, being a blonde with blonde hair, or I should say, being a Swede with blonde hair, it didn't take a whole lot to peel to, uh, for me to begin peeling with a, a sunburn. But I worked for a company called, as I said, Rockford Blacktop. And uh, the way they worked is that uh, you'd show up at the, at the manager's trailer every morning And then you would stand there in a crowd of guys, men, waving your head trying to get his attention, hoping he'd say, you, you, and you. Get out on Highway 20 as soon as you can. So when he said, you, you, and you, and one of those you was me, I was so excited. I was going to make a lot of money, and I did, because they paid very, very well compared to the other companies. But um, when I read the story, I thought about that. I thought about the people that showed up early and the people that showed up late. And uh, I read this story, and it says, the, the first come, first served. You know that principle. But in this story, the last come is the first served, and that's why this parable really bothers us sometimes, especially a part of the uh, system that we're, we live under today, where first is best and uh, last is least. But. Um, We're told here that um, the storyteller, or I should say the parable, and um, he says to him here, take what belongs to you uh, in verse 14. Take what is yours and go your way, but I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Now this... You know, you read this and you think to yourself, this this is not fair. He pays the last person that he hired on the 11th hour the same as he paid those that he hired at six o'clock in the morning. And in our economy, that's not fair. And I don't know how you react to this, but my, my response is that's not fair. But then I have to think about this story and other situations I've been in where, who am I? I'm just glad to have a job. So I was hired first and paid the same as the guy that was hired at four o'clock. But that's okay. I mean, I'm just glad to have a job. And so as I looked at this text and thought about this parable, I thought about the whole idea of being fair and balanced. But here's something that changes things. All of the Us, Y-O-U, uh, in the text of this parable are plural. Until we get to the last one. Take what is yours and go your way. But I wish to give to the last man the same as to yeah. you. All the yous are plural, except this one, is singular. And what he is saying is, all the yous, but you, Jerry. Take what is yours and go your way. What I wish to give to this last man, the same as to you. Is it, verse 15, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? Or is your eye envious or jealous, because I am generous? And this is a parable that we often quote. Thus, the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. Like I said, all of the U's in this parable are plural, except this last one is singular. So it's, uh, he narrows it down. And he talks to us. Our living a good life, folks, and and, and this is the point that I want to make. And I think one of the points of the parable is that our living a good life, and I know that you do, doesn't make us any more worthy for God's grace than others. He can choose the last to be first. He has a right to do that. I remember one time I preached a sermon back in Illinois at Park Hills Church. The title of my sermon was No Seniority with God. Wow, was she mad. There was a lady in the congregation and every congregation has one. She, uh, she laid into me at the end of the service when I said there was no seniority with God. She said, Pastor, do you know how long I have been a Christian? I said, Betty, it doesn't matter. Oh yes, it does, she said. I said, there's no seniority with God. That man that walked in here half sober is just as important to God as you are, Betty. He just came for the first time. You came for the hundredth time. God loves him as he loves you. We have a hard time with that because that, of course, is not how how our economy is set up. If you work hard, the system says you're paid well. You have the right job. I remember waiting in a doctor's office for an appointment that I had booked two weeks ago. The doctor comes in and he says, "Um, whoever just walked in, come on in, I wanna see you next. And I thought, Doctor, I've been here for 45 minutes. What do you mean? He just walked in. My father-in-law worked for a company back in Illinois. I'll tell you the name because it's a long time ago. Pierce Packing. And he'd worked there for 30 years. Hard worker. Good job he did. And then young man came in and took his job away from him. He was crushed, as you can imagine. And maybe you've gone through that, where somebody came in and took your job away from you. I worked for a company in the summertime when construction, when the contract labor union was on strike. I remember going to work for a company called Barbara Coleman. I walked in and uh, was given a good position. The older gentleman in my department that I was in, I was in uh, maintenance. And he looked at me when I came in and he said, you young people, he said, you make it so hard for those of us who have worked so faithfully for so long. And I said, Bill, I am really sorry. But I said, I too need to have a job. I have a wife. He was really upset with me. He was upset with me for quite a while that summer until finally he realized that I wasn't there to take his job away from him. He was an older gentleman and I was younger and stronger and he realized that I wasn't there to take his job away from him. I was there to make his job easier, because of who I my strength that I had. It's a, I'd be a hypocrite to say that God sh- shouldn't bless other people because they don't deserve it. And this is the point I want to make. I don't, we don't. Listen carefully. We don't. Listen carefully again. We don't deserve God's goodness. He gives it to us because he chooses to give it to us, not because I've earned it. Now, that's not the way our economy is set up, and that's all right. That's the way it should be set up. But that's not God's kingdom. That's not the way he sets it up. The man who stumbles in half inebriated, he also gets God's heaven. We have to accept the fact that God is gracious to all of us. We need to stop whining, please. Thank God for his mercy that he gives to us that we don't deserve but it's a free gift. Number one point my wife's faithful about taking notes so Roman numeral one the parable says that grace is received not deserved. Grace is received not deserved. I wanna mention two truths that I think will radically transform our thinking and hopefully the way we live. Listen carefully now. There is nothing we can do to make God love us more. And there's nothing, listen to this, it's gonna shock you, hang on to your seats, There's nothing that we can do to make God love us less. He loves you to the utmost all the time. It's like a gift. The only thing we can do with grace is to receive it. So, point number one. Grace is received, not deserved. Grace is received, not deserved. Secondly, God's grace is about mercy. It's not about being fair. God is fair, of course, but that's not the point. First, God's grace is received, not deserved. Secondly, God's grace is about mercy. It's not about fairness. I've done quite a bit of work at the rescue mission. Not, not, not so much here as back in Illinois at the Gospel Rescue Mission. And, and to see what God's grace did for men and women who were at the bottom of everything. When we speak about grace, it's about something different than fairness. It's about mercy. It's about different than being fair. It's beyond fair to merciful. First of all, grace is received, folks, not deserved. For the wages of sin is death, we know that verse but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The very first sermon I ever preached was while I was in high school at a Youth for Christ rally back in my hometown. And our Bryce Fedding, our director of UYFC, he assigned, For the wages of sin is death to my friend. And then he turned to me and he said, Jerry, I want you to preach on the gift of God, his eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Number one, grace is received, not deserved. Number two, God's grace is about mercy, it's not about fairness. Listen, God's grace is about mercy, not about fairness. Oh, mom, 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 that's not fair. You gave her three cookies, and you gave me two. That's not fair at all. And my mom said to me, sweetheart, it may not be fair, but it's right. So first of all, grace is received, not deserved. Secondly, God's grace is about mercy, not about fairness. Folks, you and I need to understand that principle or we're gonna have a really terrible time in life. And uh, my wife and I are 82, so we've gone around the block a few times. But we've learned that grace is received, not deserved. Secondly, that God's grace is about mercy, not about fairness. There's nothing fair about it. And third and last, God's grace is for the last as well as the first. As a pastor for as many years as I've been doing it, and I have done it. I've been standing next to the hospital beds of very, very saintly people that I knew had lived exemplary lives for so many years. Some of them have gone through terrible, difficult times. And I've also walked down on Skid Row With my arm around a man who was so inebriated that when he threw up, I had all of yesterday's food on my shirt. There's a way we can illustrate this. And then we'll go to the table. Reverend Nate Wilson, pastor of the Christ Redeemer Lutheran Church in Manhattan, Kansas. This was several years ago. I don't know if he is still there. I neglected to look it up. He said, My, this is what he writes. My dad, who has been pastor for some 50 years and is well known in the city as a model of godly compassion for the sick and the poor, I believe he'll end up in heaven. I also believe that my grandma is in heaven. She lived a life of extreme selfishness, foul mouth, sensual, alcoholic, all the way right to the end of her life, and she trashed her marriages and her family. She wasted all her money on vanity, and even in her 60s, she held up the whole floor of our apartment building with a gun. Then one Christmas... While she was on her deathbed, she responded to to God with sincere faith. And my brother urged her to receive Christ as her savior. And she did. Nate Wilson's father, who had been a pastor for 50 years, I believe is in heaven. But this man who, whose lunch I had on me was wearing, I believe he too is in heaven. Because folks, it's not about us. It's about him, it's him. He loves to give, and I hope all of us can see that. As we come to the table today, thank God that he showed his grace on you as I do on me. Remembering what Christ did dying on the cross to forgive us our sins, and he rose again And I have good news this morning, folks. Listen carefully. He's alive. And because he's alive, I shall live. And because he's alive, I too am alive. I close with this, and then we'll come to the table, please, the most important part of the service. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died, my riches gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my Lord, all the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing so divine, demands my heart, my life, my all. Father, thank you, thank you. Thank you for being willing to give your only begotten, one-of-a-kind son to die on a cross so that we could live. And thank you, Father, that you rose him from the dead so that we know we too, we too can live and shall live forever. As we come to the table this morning, prepare our hearts, I pray. As we hold the cup to realize that it represents the blood that your son shed for us on the cross. And as we hold the bread to realize it represents his body that he gave for us. Father, I pray that you prepare our hearts now, In Christ's name, amen.
2: Just as I am.
4: that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed he took bread and we had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me ask you to come up and take a piece of bread and take a cup if you would please, and be seated. Thank you. When he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat in remembrance of him. In the same way, the cup also. After supper, saying, this cup, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. We ate in remembrance of him. Let us drink in remembrance of him. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the sacrifice your son made for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
1: If you'd like to stand, there's a new name written down in glory.
0: Father, today's message brought home another message that we've been studying studying from Proverbs, where where there's always a contrast of the right and the wrong way. But Lord, we know that it is never too late to take the right way, the light to to your light. Lord, so let us always remember that we're all sinners, that we will always be sinners, but it is never too late to come to you and ask for your grace and live in your light. Lord, this we we lift up to you in your son Jesus' name, amen. That candle's about to go in peace.